0: Good morning, church. It's good to be here. We're starting a two-part series this morning entitled Above All Else. Above All Else. So let me tell you a story. You know me, I like to tell stories. Uh, When I was about eight years old, I lived in Italy. And... uh, I was tasked, I was charged, with making sure that uh, when we went to school, my sister and I rode on the same bus, and when I say a bus, we're talking about a little VW van, but that was our bus. Uh, We would get on the same bus, and we would get to to school, make sure that she was safe, and then make sure that she would get on the bus and come all the way back home safe. My job was to protect my sister, and I did that most of the times. One day, uh, after school, I had a friend. His name was Lauria. Now, let me teach you a Neapolitan word. How's that? Would you like to learn a Neapolitan word? This is a word, believe it or not, that you can only hear in Naples. I mean, you could actually hear it in other parts of Italy, but they would only be using it in written reference to a Neapolitan, right? And so if you're brave, you can try to repeat it after me. If not, that's okay. Uh, it's not an easy word, uh, but it's a fun word to say. And basically, let me tell you what the word means. The word basically means very street smart. A little bit too street smart, if you know what I mean. <laughs> there really is no word in English like it. But here's the word. Are you ready? The word is scunizzo. Nice. Not bad for a bunch of Americans, you know? <laughs> Skuñizo. Yeah, that's the word. And so Lauria was actually a real Skuñizo. I mean, the guy, you know, just... I found out later, by the way, through some friends on Facebook, that uh, after he uh, went to school and everything, dropped out of high school, or the equivalent of high school, ended up uh, in some trouble and uh, died at a very young age uh, doing some stupid stuff. But at that time, he was eight years old, Right? So how bad could he be, right? And I liked him. We, got to, we, got, we, we really kind of got along a little bit. And I didn't have many friends when I was young. So whenever somebody wanted to be my friend, I'm in. And so we started talking. I, forget, I don't know what happened, but somehow we missed the bus. And so did my sister. Now, I'm eight. My sister is six at the time. It's her first year of school. And she's depending on me. But my sister really respected me. She looked up to me. Whatever I said, she would do, and she would get into a lot of trouble because of me. But she didn't mind because she looked up to me. And so we, Lauria said, "Look, don't worry about it. I, I know the shortcut through the woods that we can go." Uh, well. We'll be there just as fast as the bus would. And so we started walking towards the house and, and then through these woods. And we got to this part where the woods it had, it had rained. And so there was this kind of hill. And the hill was like real muddy. And this scunizzo says, oh, this is going to be fun. He says, do exactly what I do. And he sits down and he pushes himself and slides down. And I look at my little sister with her pretty school dress on. And I go, come on, we could do this. (laughs) And she looked at me and she said, okay. And so I I wanted to be the good brother and make sure that she would make it okay. So I told Rosanna, you go first. (laughs) And I will push you. And she's like, Okay. And so she sat down and I pushed her, and I actually heard her scream in delight. Yay! You know. Pfft. Of course, when she got up, I realized that her yellow dress now was mostly brown. And then I slid down. And we made our way back home, and we were an hour late. And when we got home, my mother was there waiting. Do your moms ever do this? My Italian mom, this was like her favorite pose. She would put her hand and then, but then when she put the other one out, oh, you were in trouble then, man. All of a sudden, she's got both hands on her sides, and she's sitting there going, she's saying, what happened? And I said, I don't know what you mean. And she said, how come your sister is like this? Like what, Mom? Like all dirty. The bus was here an hour ago. I was worried to death. What happened? Well, uh, so here's what happened. The teacher kept us, like, late, and we ended up missing the bus. And she's like, Sergio, why do you lie? And then she said to me, then she said to me, where does this come from? Where do you get this from? Who taught you how to do this? It was then that I began to realize that there was something inside of me. I like to call it the monster. Now you're laughing, but can I tell you something? All of you have this monster inside you. Now some of us, some of us are good at developing filters. Some are good at having just the right sophisticated some, some filters are more sophisticated than others. Some are better than others at this, right? But if you ever if you ever got into a conversation, maybe you were angry or some, some car cut you off and you were alone in the car, and some superlative, a very colorful language comes out. And you say, Where did that come from? Have you ever done this? A question, I gotta admit it. That's okay. I'll tell you where it came from. It came from within. That monster inside of you. Once in a while likes to rear its ugly head. Now the filters are not bad. The filters are good. They protect our image. They keep us out of jail. (laughs) But I want to tell you this. Ultimately... The filters are only, filters, they only do that. They cannot transform us. God is not looking for us to be able to engage in amazing behavior modification. That's great. And you don't need God for that. You just need a good psychologist sometimes. But what God wants to do is to transform us. So that we don't need the filters. Are you following me? Right? See, Jesus put it this way. Uh, In Matthew chapter 15, uh, this is this this encounter. I want to kind of get to that right now. Uh, And it's pretty interesting. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about it. The Pharisees are there. They're talking about some stuff. And Jesus is, it, it almost feels like Jesus is getting fed up with the Pharisees. Have you ever read those things where you're like, whoa, Jesus, calm down, right? (laughs) Like, he's really getting tough on these guys, you know? And this is one of those moments where he's just kind of like, you know, just let me do my job, you know? And the, the Pharisees, they asked this question. I love this. Some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Wow! That's another thing my mom would always say to me. Wash your hands before you eat. And then I would sit at the table, did you wash your hands? You told me to. Where did that come from? So the Pharisees are worried about the tradition. This is not just some... Some health thing, by the way. You know, it's good to wash your hands. Please don't go home and say, hey, Pastor Serge said we don't have to wash our hands before we... That's not what I'm saying. That's, that's not... But this is something else. This is a traditional. This is, this is something that they were doing to make things that were clean, uh, uh, to make things that were unclean, clean. And so they were really into this clean, unclean stuff. And so they, Jesus is trying to talk to them about this. And he's trying to work this through them. And, and he's realizing, look, you know, here's the thing you guys are so worried about what's going on on the outside, you have no idea what's going on on the inside. Because what's, what's important is not what's going on on the outside, but what's going on on the inside. In fact, he says these words just a few verses later. He says, this is what God said about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts their what? Their hearts are far from me. And then he says something really intense, and I I'm going to warn you, this is not easy stuff to listen to. But I think Jesus said it because the Pharisees were so good at perfecting filters and giving those filters out that people were forgetting that what we really needed was transformation. So this is what he says. Are you still so dull? (laughs) Sorry. I think... There are times when I want to say that. And I don't know if it's the monster within me or it's God. (laughs) But have you ever felt like this? Like, really? Like, don't you love Jesus? Like, what would cause you to do such a thing? What would cause you to say such a thing? Why are you still so dull? Like, you should know by now. I think it was appealing to them, actually. Tough love right here. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth... Do I need to draw a picture? (laughs) Like Jesus is saying, let, let me make this as simple as possible, okay? Because apparently you don't see it. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? See, some of you guys have the imagination that I have. You're very visual. Jesus was appealing to those visual Pharisees. And then he says these words. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from where? The heart. And these defile them. The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. Somewhere there, there's a monster. Inside, deep down inside. And don't look at me like that because all of you have it. Every single person in here. No matter how good your filters are, you have that monster. And just because your filter may be even more sophisticated than mine, it doesn't make it any better. It's still there. You just got a better chain on them. And then he says these words. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Have you ever had evil thoughts? Uh, What's good about that, nobody can see them. Some of you are having evil thoughts right now about me. No, I'm kidding. Come on, get to it, man. It's almost time for lunch, right? (laughs) That's not an evil thought. But anyway, uh, murder. Have you ever said to yourself, I'm going to kill somebody? You don't really mean it, right? But adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, these, Jesus says, these right here, not if your hands are dirty, not what goes in the mouth. It's what comes out of our body. It's what comes out of our mouth. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands, come on. Like you're missing the point here. You're so worried about the external stuff. You're so worried about these little things. What you're missing is the most important thing. And that is that your heart determines your actions. How are we doing? Sunrise was uh, dawning when Los Angeles motorcycle police officer Bob Vernon noticed a red pickup truck speeding. And he thought to himself, well, maybe he is late for work. But he kept going through ro- lights. And so he got on his bike and started going after him. Emergency light, radio that he's in pursuit, ready to go, and let's, let's get this guy, you know. And sure enough, he pulls him over and he says, good morning, sir, may I see your license and registration? And before he could finish, the man pulled out a gun And shot the officer. 24 hours before, he had just robbed a 7-Eleven and thought, they know. So he was convinced that he was getting caught. And so he takes his gun and he shoots the police officer. The cop was knocked seven, seven feet away from the situation. The driver smiled as he tried to start the car. But within seconds, the police officer, to the shock of the criminal got up, pulled his revolver out, and shot twice. One went through the car and broke the window. The other one shot the guy in the leg. And the guy is sitting there, and he goes, Stop, stop, don't shoot. He threw the gun and sack of money out of the pickup window. What saved this police officer's life was a vest You know what that vest is made out of? Kevlar. Kevlar. See, I think sometimes we need a vest like that. Are you following what I'm saying here? I think sometimes we need something to protect our hearts. Jesus said this in Luke, almost the same thing, but just in a better way here. I like this. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart what you slay say flows from what is in your heart so if that's the case then maybe what is happening coming into my heart is important And maybe what God wants is not so much for us to develop more sophisticated filters but what God wants is for us to monitor our hearts but God wants us for us to come to him and say, "God, please change this thing right here. There's a mo- Can you kill the monster, please?" There's this uh, article in the dayton daily News, february twenty five 2014. It says, a bus driver in Dayton, Ohio, was approached by three men on Monday wielding guns in what police say appeared to be a gang initiation. The men shot Ricky Wagner once in the leg and twice in the chest. He was not wearing a Kevlar vest. Yet, he was miraculously saved. Because he happened to have a contemporary version of the Bible called the message in his shirt pocket. He got shot there. And according to police, the Bible took the brunt of the blow from the bullets. Causing Wagner's chest wounds to be much less severe than they would have been otherwise. He was taken to the hospital but is expected to make a full recovery. No words on whether or not the Bible was bound with Kevlar. I want one of those Bibles, man. I don't know. I, I, you know, I read stories like that, and you go, well, it's just, just coincidence, right? I don't think so. I don't either, and I think so, but I think there's something about that story that's very telling. I think what we need to protect our hearts sometimes is the Word of God. And I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about my heart. Deep down inside, there's this verse in Proverbs. Now, Proverbs was written by the wisest man that ever lived. This guy here was was, was amazing when it came to finances. Had tremendous wisdom in, in being able to deal with different relationships and being able to, to be diplomatic with people. He was a great politician, a, a, a great statesman, uh, uh, just really just one of the wisest men that that ever lived. He, He wrote Ecclesiastes. He wrote most of Proverbs. People just always have lauded him as the wisest man that ever lived. So what he says, I think, has got some weight, don't you? Some of that wisdom came from his own mistakes and and some of the experiences that he had. Because wisdom, by the way, doesn't doesn't do anything for the heart. It just helps you with filters. So... um, so verse chapter four of Proverbs, it's as if he's talking to his son and he's saying, Look, pay attention. Pay attention to my teachings. A little later he says, keep the commandments. Right? This is really important. Keep the, pay attention to my teachings. Keep the commandments. And then he says, Do not forsake wisdom. You know, keep commandments do not forsake wisdom pay attention to my teaching Uh, avoid wickedness he says and then in verse 23 he says these words i love this when i read this i thought wow i gotta preach a series on this (laughs) that's how much this verse impacted me i remember my dad i know i know you want me to get to the verse but i will suspense i remember my dad My dad was an electrician, and uh, I remember the first summer I went to work with him, he was teaching me about electricity. And he would say to me, now, Sergio, here's what you need to know. If you don't do this right, you will die. (laughs) It's like, whoa, I better pay attention, right? And then he would say, look at me. Look, this is very important, all right? Before you work with this, you must go to this box. Look at me, Sergio. This is very important. Okay, I'm I'm listening. And then you must turn these off, otherwise you will die. This is the way my dad talked. And I'm like, okay, dad, I got it. I will die. Don't do anything. And there were times where I couldn't get to the box. There were times... Where I got shocked, it didn't die, but you know it's—it's it's like all okay. right. I remember, I remember asking my dad, "Is this—is this hot, that I can't get to the box. I don't know." And this is my dad had experienced this so much. This is the way my dad would check if something was hot. <laughs> yeah, I think that's hot. Be careful. You know, I did that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was like forget about it, right? Sorry, that was pretty. New Yorker of me to say that. <laughs> so, so what I'm going to say here is, is like what my dad said to me. But this is the wisest man in the world saying this to each and every one of us. He was z- saying this to his son. He was saying this to the people that read this. This has been saved for us through all these years and echoes through all these centuries. This is an important Listen, if you don't pay attention to this, you're going to die, okay? And this is the way he starts. He says, above all else. Wow. Like, this is it. Like, look, teachings are important. Commandments are important. Wisdom is important. You know, avoiding evil is important. But let me tell you this. Above all, say it with me. Above all else, guard your Heart. Last night I uh, I finished my notes for my sermon and decided to make sure everything was locked. And I remember I didn't get the mail and people have been stealing our mail where we live. I don't know what that's about. So I said let me get out there and and get the mail, so I went outside and got the mail. And I'm walking back to the house, and I notice the lights kind of flicker. I'm like, well, "That's weird." And then I walk up to the door and I go to open the door, and it's locked. My wife had locked me out. <laughs> she didn't know that I was outside. And I'm like. <laughs> Nothing. I'm like ringing the doorbell. And she comes to the door and she goes, who is it? Nancy, it's me. Prove it. What? Are you kidding me? And then she opens it and goes, just kidding. Now, here's the thing, right? Why? Because we both grew up in cities where you have to lock the door when you go to bed. You have to guard your house. You have to make sure nobody comes in, even if it means locking your husband out. All right? My my wife is, like, notorious for this. Like, so many times, I can't tell you how many times she's locked her keys out of her car. But that's all not true. Here's the point. When Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart, what he's saying is you got to lock that door. For those of you who are more uh, athletically bound, let me give you another illustration because the World Cup is coming here soon. You're going to hear this. You're going to see this. I'm not as excited about it as I was if Italy was in it, but, you know, they're not. So, but it's still soccer. I remember growing up as a little boy, one of the most important positions was the goalie. You know what the goalie's job was? To keep the ball out of the goal. That's it. And there was this one guy, his name was Maurizio, I'll never forget him. He was tall and slanky, but he was so agile. And if you can get him on your team, you were going to win. That, that was it right there. So yeah, it's, come on, Maurizio, I want Maurizio. Maurizio. we all be fighting for Maurizio. Why? Because he guarded the goal. Sometimes we need goalies in front of our hearts. Are you following what I'm saying? And what Solomon says here is above all else, guard your heart for what? Everything. How much? Everything you do flows from it. If this is the only thing you're going to hear, he says, this is it right here. If this is the only thing you're going to hear, please make sure that you understand this one thing. Guard your heart. Lock it out. Don't let things in that are going to affect what comes out. Because what comes in goes out. Are you following me? So, the Apostle Paul, who was also pretty wise himself, says these words that some of you probably who have known your Bible well started thinking about some different words, some different Bible verses that have popped in your mind as I'm teaching this. Isn't that true? Some of you guys have some of these in your mind. I know one that popped in my mind as I was reading all this and, you know, as a man thinketh so is he, right? Remember that one? This is, these are all, it's all through the Bible. But my favorite one that popped into my mind was this one in Philippians. Finally. <laughs> I love that. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is what? True. Whatever is noble. Whatever is right. Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is what excellent or praiseworthy think about such things are you following this let me give you that list again true noble right pure lovely admirable excellent praiseworthy now this is not a sermon about careful what you listen and watch No, this sermon is about, above all else, guard your heart. A side little note is the careful what you watch and learn. Think about the last thing you saw on TV or in the movie theater. Was it true, noble, right? Think about the last thing that you listened to, the last song you heard. Was it pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy? Think about these things. Think about the experiences you have. Think about the situations that you deal with. Think about all the voices that you listen to, that you choose to listen to. Not only the voices of, 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 of the media and Hollywood. I'm talking about the voices of other people who try to kill your dreams. The voices of people that are trying to destroy your spirit. And you listen to them. And then they come in and they, they feed the monster inside. And then you think, well, I must, I must be this way. I must have the same problem. The enemy is great. At fictional art, the enemy is fantastic in making us think that there are that the things that we are hearing, the things that we are dealing with, are bigger than they really are. They remember the Israelites when they were God said, Go and, and inherit the promised land. Remember that story? Go and get the promised land. And they're like, and he sends spies, he says, Go see what it's like. They go out there, they're like, All right, cool. Two guys out of all of them, two guys only come back and go, Oh, yeah, we could do this, man. Because God's on our side. The other ones are going, no, 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 no. We were like grasshoppers. These guys were like big. The fruit was big. The people were big. everything. There's no way on earth. Have you ever made people and what they say bigger than what it really is? Have you ever been... A victim of your own monster. Here are some common mind games that he uses. Some of the picture he paints to get us to march into destruction. And no one in the church really likes you. You'll be alone for the rest of your life. I have to drive this type of car and have this kind of house for people to like me for me to be successful. I have to live in this neighborhood or wear these clothes. Are they talking about me? What are they saying? See, he is is constantly trying to paint this picture in our mind because, listen, let me just tell you something. The enemy hates you. Can I just, we got that straight? The enemy hates you. The, Peter says he's like a roaring lion waiting to see who he can devour. He is going to just throw this stuff in and say, okay, the best way to, to destroy Sergio is to put stuff that will kill him from within. All the greatest empires were all destroyed from within and out. And so is the empire of your mind. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here as I say these last few things. I think what Paul is saying here in this verse is that you can't just say, look, I don't want to have those things in my heart, so I'm going to quit. Doesn't work that way. If you want your heart to be strong, what Paul is saying is crowd it out. Crowd the monster out with these wonderful thoughts. Crowd the monster out with Jesus Christ. Fill yourself with God. Fill your, above all else, this is important. If you haven't heard anything else, listen to this. Fill yourself with Christ and let him crowd the monster out. Are you following what I'm saying here? I want you to close your eyes right now. Please. If you would do this with me, I would really appreciate it. I'm going to ask you some questions as your eyes are closed. And I want you to just think about it. That you're just, It's between you and God. That's it. Nobody else is in here. Don't listen to anybody else. Don't worry about anything else. It's just you and God. Don't fall asleep on me. Keep your eyes closed. Here's the first question. Is everything okay in your heart? Are you mad at anybody? Are you waiting for someone to come to you to make things right? Have you have you had? Any extended imaginary conversations with anybody lately? You know what I'm saying? Have you secretly celebrated someone's failure in the past several days? Have you tried to formulate a plan? to advance your own personal agenda without checking to see if they align with God's plan do you have a secret deep in your heart down deep in that monster that you hope no one ever discovers You're resentful towards God about anything, Father in Heaven. Please, Lord, transform our hearts. Protect us, Lord. Teach us how to guard our hearts. Help us to lock the door of our hearts to all those things on the outside that want to just destroy us on the inside. Help us to be wise about the stimulus that we are receiving and and choose, Lord, to receive the stimulus that helps us to think about pure, holy, noble, excellent, praiseworthy things. Jesus, please fill our hearts and please crowd out that monster within us. Above all else, Lord. Amen.